Welcome to a football show, Monday edition. My name is Braden Gall. That is not Zach Lyons. That is Easton Freeze of Broadway Sports Media. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm very well lit today. <laughs> the sun, the sun just came out and lit me up a little bit. Yeah, more. it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, lit up. I, I, there's not even a good. Re- okay, how about this? Lit up like Vanderbilt's defense over the weekend. Mm. There we go. There was, there was not a good one in the Titans game. Although like a Christmas tree. Twenty to yeah. six. Yes, yes. Twenty to sixteen is a shootout for the Tennessee it Titans. Is. So uh, we will get to the loss of the Cincinnati Bengals, of course. Why they lost that game? What does it tell us about this Titans team moving forward? Uh, we will also get to Ryan Tannehill, the passing offense, all the new pieces and weapons. What does that tell us about this team's upside moving forward? Maybe it wasn't Todd Downing's fault after all. Holy smokes. Uh, newsflash. And of course, one important statistic Easton's going to give you uh, about, again, the outcome. 20 to 16, Titans lose just their second loss since week two, of course, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Three straight to the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll touch on. The Van- Vanderbilt Commodores and the Tennessee Volunteers wrapping up their seasons. Vandy not going bowling. Tennessee, first time in, since 2003. They get to 10 wins. LSU chokes. South Carolina with a big win. So we'll do some rapid-fire SEC stuff like we do uh, at the end of each show. Easton, before we tell everybody about our wonderful and amazing, awesome title sponsors, the Pharmacy, Kingston Group, and Weisslickers, all right here above me. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTubes, turn on the notification. Twitter, turn on the notification. All that great stuff. Where can people find your work and all the amazing stuff that you guys are doing at Broadway Sports Media? Well, thank you so much, Braden. You can find all of my work and, like Braden said, the fantastic stuff we're doing at Broadway Sports Media on broadwaysportsmedia.com as well as on Twitter and on YouTube and all of our social media spaces. You can find my writings and musings there. You can find uh, the show that I do, the Hot Read Podcast. Uh, wherever you get your good podcasts on YouTube as well, you can find the video <laughs> version there. And uh, yeah, so we do that. Where do I? Where do you get all the bad podcasts? Where? Where? If I just want nothing but bad podcasts, the bad podcasts are the links are typically on MySpace, and it's like Stitcher and Napster oh. and uh, like dark web Napster. pirating sites primarily. So yeah, yes. the good podcasts, deep, deep dark corners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the good podcast is where you want to. That's where ours is with the with the good ones. And uh, we have shows right. every Monday and Friday morning, except for this Monday with a little scheduling snafu. So if you're listening to this live, our show will be later this evening. So you can just Titans content all day if you want when you're done with this show. Go and check out our show. There you go. Hot Read Podcast, of course, the Mike Herndon Show as well. Right. Broadway Sports Media Insider. Sign up for that as well if you want really killer uh, Nashville sports content, primarily the Tennessee Titans. And uh, D. Good has already chimed in. Of course, he has no good words about what happened yesterday. We'll get to it. There are some good there words are. because I, the NFL is a weird, weird, weird sport, man. Like you can be so devastated one week and so ex- just exuberant the next week. And that is how it is designed for us to live our lives in the fall. Uh, so let's we try to keep it right here. Zach is the one that normally brings us um, on the roller coaster. I try to keep it right here in the middle. So uh, Easton, you get to do whatever the hell you want because this today it's your. That's show. right. I so, mean, Braden, uh, listen. The Ravens supposedly all season have been a very good team and a Super Bowl contender. How do you think their fans feel the last like month or so? Uh, I know how the players in the Jacksonville locker room. Feel. That's right. <laughs> Glad that Urban Meyer's not around anymore. Apparently. Oh my. Oh my God! I've never, I've never agreed. I've never agreed with a Jacksonville Jaguar safety more in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Let's tell everybody about our great and awesome and wonderful, amazing sponsors. The Pharmacy over there in McFerrin Avenue in East Nashville. Great place to go grab a lunch bite. Now that we're done with turkey and stuffing and Thanksgiving and Starchapalooza, you're going to need some, you're going to need a brat and a a burger. Uh, You want a beer, go sit down at lunch, Uh, go over there to the pharmacy. You can bring the kids, you can bring the spouse. It's a great place for business lunch. All kinds of amazing place, all all kinds of amazing. They got the outdoor uh, patio there. They got the bar, they got the soda and like milkshake bar rail in it's there awesome. for kids. So they, they, yeah. There you go. Uh, they got everything you could possibly need. Um, and again, all locally owned and operated since 2011. So make sure you check out the pharmacy, the Kingston group, of course, as well. Buildkg.com is the website. Donnie, what is up? Um, we appreciate you guys joining us. If you have any questions or comments for Easton or myself, please make sure you show up. And uh, Stoney, I agree. No better place to decompress after a week with relatives than to go to the pharmacy and drink beer. Although, if you watch Stony, if you watch Stony's content on on any platform, I, I'm not sure he has a problem decompressing at any point in his life. Um, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Kingston Group is what I was talking about. Yes. Kingston Group is what I was yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. Buildkg.com. 
do not make any decisions, big ones about your house, financial decisions. They're huge decisions. Do not make any of those decisions about your home without talking to Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, award-winning, I might add. Kingston Group, a nose-to-tail operation. They will take your project from start to finish. You'll know exactly what your budget is. Not a bunch of general contractors are going to walk away from a project in the middle of the whole deal. So just talk to them. Kingston Group, uh, of course, buildkg.com. And Weiss Liquors. For those of you leaving, leaving Nissan Stadium yesterday at 3 o'clock, I sure hope you swung by Weiss Liquors on your way home to drink whatever it is you needed to drink. They got great wine selection. They got great booze. How about this? Locally owned and operated since before World War II. <laughs> that's a long time, Brady. That's Braden. a long, long time. That's a, that's a long, long time. So Weiss Liquors, you can also Uber Eats. Uh, search Weiss Liquors. They'll deliver the booze to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. So a lot of stuff going on. And again, we su- we really appreciate uh, Easton for hanging out with us today. Uh, yeah. Zach is on a boat, I believe. He's on a boat. On a so, boat, which, hey, oh. I, I owe him one filling in for him today because two weeks ago he produced the Mike Herndon show when I was on a boat. So it's just tit for tat. Wow. D, D good. I'm, listen, we're going to try to cheer you up here. D good. Very upset. He's down bad today, uh, man. Lots of, yeah. Lots of cussing, lots of male genitalia in the comment section. Like, we don't need that. We don't, we don't need that. Listen, there are going to be things we are going to discuss that are concerning. We'll le- we will leave the show, in fact, with those things that are concerning mm-hmm. about this Titans team. The Bengals are also the ASC defending champ with a rising superstar quarterback. Yes, they were without Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. Yes, they played the Titans game. And yes, they beat the Titans at their game. We will get to all of that. But there's also some things to be okay about. All right? So... Uh, Traylon, yes, Mark says Traylon Burks. Exactly. There's another that's one. That's a big one. one right there. Yeah. That's a big, yeah. Six foot three, about 240 pounds. Yeah. It's pretty big. It is. Um, all right. So first, before we talk about the line of scrimmage and, and finishing drives and all the other stuff, Easton, we've got like, I, at first I, I went right to Twitter. And of course we all have to do this right in the moment and just say, don't do dumb shit to hurt the team. Like I went, I went and I did it. I went and tweeted, don't do dumb shit to hurt the team. Kevin Strong, and then like as the day went along, I just felt more and more bad about not my tweet because I don't care, but like about just an individual that's an athlete that is a public figure that makes a mistake, and pe- like it just at one point you're just like, oh man, that just is such a painful way to actually end the game because I do think the Titans would have had a chance to score, and especially a guy who isn't you know it's he's not a Kevin Byard, he's not a Derrick Henry, not a bona fide member of this team, he's. You know, week to week, he's a guy that is earning his job and the spot on the roster that he has. And so that was a tough scene for him. And to be fair to him, if you go back and look at the tape and Mike Vrabel actually commented on this at his press conference today, the the penalty could have been called on him or Tier Tart. So it was a it was not him alone. They both um, made too much contact with the snapper in, in that situation. And they both should know better than to do that. And it was a, a foolish way to end the game. It was, it was a, a, you know, not to say that the Titans would have won because they had no timeouts and a minute 50 ish left to play with. So they had to get seven to even tie. And if they had gotten that, then it would have gone to overtime. So like a lot could have happened, but to not even get a chance at the end was tough. And I was, I was there in the locker room and it was kind of that moment for me where I felt bad for Kevin as a person was when he got out of the shower and came to his locker room and got dressed. And there's a a horde of us media members waiting for him. Everybody's the look on there. his face yeah. is just, he, he knows he has to do it and he doesn't want to. And you feel bad for the guy. Cause again, he's a guy that, you know, is fighting for his spot every week. And, and to his credit, he answered all of our questions and didn't deflect. He he just said, you know, I felt like I didn't, um, you know, commit a, a foul there, but apparently I did. And I'm going to work harder each and right. every week to, you know, be better and, and not make those mistakes. And so, tough but there's certainly anybody pointing to the end of that game as the primary reason why the titans lost you didn't watch the rest of the game man there, there were a lot of reasons the titans lost and it wasn't the end of the game yeah i think that's a, a excellent point there's a human element that we all can understand and or at least try to understand then there's the football element in which case we all can be like god don't do dumb shit to hurt the <laughs> yeah. team um and and then there's like a there's another human element all within the refs which is like are we sure that was 100 percent a good call or was it a kind of a soft call it's a re- here's the thing if i if i'm i don't like criticizing the refs i don't think teams lose games or win games because of refs in any sport i just don't think that's a thing i think that's lazy fandom to your point I don't know. You're, like, some European uh, soccer leagues, there's a lot of fixing going on. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, may, maybe, maybe some tennis or whatever. Not, not big no, I just think there's, there's like, 
there's there's a hundred plays, 120 plays in a football game in the NFL. Like you have every you have every chance to win a football game, uh, dozens of other times. But I will say this: if you're gonna make that call, and it's going to decide the outcome of the game, sort of in the moment, you better make sure you get it right. Mm-hmm. You better feel really good about it. And as long as the ref, in the private moment, sitting in his own house somewhere, <laughs> like says to himself, you know what, I think that was the right call, then, I, then I'm okay with it. Well, and any Titans fan should be all right with that call because we know that the coach of this team, Mike Vrabel, is not above criticizing officiating when he feels like it's, it's been done poorly. He's, you know, famously sent a reply all this year, criticizing referees not doing their basic job. In this very game, the post-game press conference that he gave, he was talking about on one of one of the two T. Higgins go routes that just killed the Titans in the fourth quarter up the right-hand sideline. He mentioned on one of those plays, he saw the ref must have gotten an itch on his hip because he was sitting there thinking about throwing the flag, and <laughs> he made a little joke about how the ref clearly thought about throwing it and then decided against it. So he's not above criticizing officiating when he disagrees with it. And he came out in today's press conference and said unequivocally that Tier Tart and Kevin Strong both did something that absolutely should have been a foul and they both should know better. And every single time you do that, it's going to be called. So that's the way it goes. You know, I, I should have written it down and I cannot remember what the, I don't think it was the one you're talking about with Higgins. There was another time, like I want to say third quarter, fourth quarter, where like I thought there was a legitimately bad call and Vrabel goes down and, and is like talking to the to the refs clearly and I'm like uh, in my head I can see him typing out the email like I can see because he knows <laughs> yeah. every single detail of every single rule to a T he does and I, I'm sitting there going like that's a that was a bad call and I can't for the life of me now I cannot remember what it was I want to say it, it was again like late third quarter and it was near the red zone and there was just this one of these moments where he like runs down the sideline. He's talking to the refs and I'm going like, I totally agree with you, Mike. And I think you're going to send an email about it mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to somebody, somebody. Uh, because he, he knows everything. And I, to their credit, to your point, like Kevin steps up and does everything. So let's get to the real reason. Now, Danico Autry doesn't play. Ben Jones doesn't play. That's announced before the game. I think my very, I think my, my very first response was that that's two large, mi- big bodies missing, very important bodies missing from the line of scrimmage. Yes. And sure enough, Number one reason this game ended the way it did was that the Tennessee Titans could not run the football traditionally with Derrick Henry. They got him the ball in other ways and that they could not stop, even though they kind of worked the yards per carry down at the end because Cincinnati wasn't trying. Cincinnati was largely up over five and a half yards of carry for most of the game. They ran the ball on the Titans. The Titans couldn't run the ball. The line of scrimmage battle was won by Cincinnati in Tennessee Titans fashion, doing it Tennessee Titans way. And I think that's one of the most important. That is, for me, the number one reason Cincinnati was able to win is that they won the line of scrimmage and Titans don't normally lose that battle. No, I mean, that was and I I tweeted about as much and then I wrote about as much after the game over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com in my winners and losers article each week. That was the primary reason, you know, whenever whenever the Titans lose, I feel like it's our job in the media to help sift through the rubble and point to what is fair to blame and what is fair not to blame. And in some games, there's 10,000 different reasons, little things that compiled into, into a loss. And then in some games you can point to, Hey, you know, in the, the, the last Bengals loss, the Titans had before this Todd Downing sucked and Ryan Tannehill sucked even worse like that right there. That's the reason. Right. And in this game, there were really two big ones that, that were the reason that they lost this game. And it was frankly, in hindsight today, as I'm thinking about this game, it felt like it was just a bad day at the office for the Titans because when you watch an NFL team play their style of football, they tend to win that game. When you're able to play the way you want to play, you're in control, you're comfortable, you tend to dictate the terms of the engagement. Now, sometimes when your opponent just outclasses you, they can force you to play a different style of football and credit is owed to them for for forcing you to do that because you're just outclassed and if they've got a good game plan and a good scheme they can force you to play the way that they want to and then they dictate the terms but in this game I think the Bengals are a very good team don't get me wrong It, it felt like and they do deserve some credit for the fact that clearly their game plan was to force the Titans to play a style of football that they didn't necessarily want to play so the flowers go to Zach Taylor who I think is actually not a very good coach and the Bengals team which I think is a a very good roster and an underrated defense and all of that this Titans team 
has for years now, Braden, built their brand, built their reputation on being more physical than you. They are the biggest, baddest bullies in the NFL. They specifically tailor their roster to be that style of team. Mike Vrabel specifically tailors his schemes and game plan, and most importantly, the culture that he instills with the Titans around being the biggest, baddest bullies in the NFL, being bigger than you, being more physical than you, wanting it more than you. And when you play a game like they did last, like like yesterday, in which they were the less physical team, they did not want it more, and they got punked on the ground on both sides of the ball, which is their bread and butter. The Titans, they are the run defense team, and they are the running team, and they got outclassed in both yep. departments yesterday. You're going to lose that game. Yeah, Stoney says, do you guys feel like the Bengals played with a little more energy and fire than the Titans did? I Energy and fire are sometimes extremely vague terms for sometimes the other team just wants it a little more or absolutely. Oh, that, now you put one up on the screen. Okay. <laughs> now, Easton, now Easton decides to put, put oh, a look, comment up button. on the screen. Oh, how about yeah. that? Yeah. You didn't want to put the limp dick one up there. It's fine. It's fine. Don't, don't do that. Sorry, just sorry. the Easton is spinning. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. It, listen, I, I agree they wanted it more. And, and I, I agree that it's more depressing when you get beat at your own game. And without Joe Mixon, without Jamar Chase, the Bengals kind of didn't really have a choice. I think they knew coming into this game they had to – if you want to beat the Titans, you have to play in the back alley rock fight. Like, you got to do that. Yep. And, and a lot of teams can be, because they have, more t they have more explosive weaponry like Buffalo and Kansas City or whatever. And some teams are just as physical. I, you know, I, I was – part of the reason I liked Michigan to win outright this weekend against Ohio State – Hey, good call. Is that one team is a, it, one team is a finesse soft team, and the other team is going to – is like physically going to impose their will on you. That's right. And in college, it's a, it's a lot easier in college to have those big gaps and differences in, in, in attitude because it's just a bigger, more difficult sport to kind of project, and the rosters are different. In the NFL, it's very hard to just – every every Sunday line up and just be the aggressor like that is a hard thing to do in the NFL yes. the tight the Titans and, and Vrabel do it incredibly well without Danico Autry without Ben Jones you could argue the the second most de important defensive player on the team and the most important offensive lineman on the team I don't think you can overstate those two absences and what that means to that demeanor along the line of scrimmage and give I'm I'm not I know you and a lot of people around the Titans world don't think Zach Taylor's all that special I, I'm sort of in the middle on him. I don't hate him. I don't love him. I don't. I'm not sure yet. I will say this: the defensive game plan was spectacular was. because I saw more. I saw more bare fronts and more, you know, 46 and and all these run blitzes off the edge with corners. Like I've never seen Derrick Henry tackled so many times behind the line of scrimmage by 170 pound men. Great point. Like I've never, I've never, I've never seen that before. Yeah. And that's all the Bengals scheming up how they're going to attack Derrick Henry. And and frankly, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think. The last three games, you're starting to see some teams taking stuff from other people that have played against Derrick Henry. Yeah, you absolutely are seeing more rush, uh, rushing on running, obvious running downs, and you're seeing more of that bare front, which the, the Titans are right now really struggling to adjust to. And side note, that I don't think should be shocking to anybody because I tweeted this out yesterday. If you look at the quarter by quarter splits for this team throughout the season, this is nothing new. They continue to really struggle to adjust in game. And it looks like in recent weeks, they've really struggled to adjust week to week. Um, it, it, a couple of little things. First of all, Braden, we talk about them, you know, the effort not seeming like it was there entirely. I, I guess that's not fair. The effort was there, but the Bengals clearly wanted it more. We, we spent all week kind of laughing at them for how they were talking about it not being a uh, revenge game and and it obviously being a revenge game well in hindsight maybe maybe we should have believed them because they certainly didn't play like it yesterday uh, um <laughs> i don't if you make millions of like i don't understand like in college when you're 18 to 22 i think emotion plays a huge role in your job as a coach your job is to eliminate emotion whether it's let down whether it's look ahead whether it's up, upset alert whether it's revenge when you get paid millions of dollars to play a, a sport, motivation should not be a thing we worry about. It shouldn't, in my, in my opinion. It, no, I agree. The other thing that I wanted to kind of circle back on, and you you mentioned this a moment ago, in hindsight, and I'm curious what your thoughts on this before the game were, because this is something I was thinking about, kind of taking inventory of what my expectations were based on my reaction after the game. Going into the game without Ben Jones, which it really felt like we'd have him this this week, the Titans would have him, and they didn't. Um, it, it seems like they'll almost certainly have him this upcoming week because he was so close last week, but we won't look forward just yet. 
him being out on the offense, which I agree entirely, the most important offensive lineman on the team, and then not having the most important, arguably, well, the, one of the most important defensive linemen on the other side of the ball. Yeah, you have to, you, your brain automatically goes, wait a second, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Simmons, Simmons is exists. on the team. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, my, my bad, bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so one of the two most important guys in Danico Autra on the defensive side of the ball, going into the game, I felt like that wouldn't be a massive issue. On the offensive side of the ball, because we saw last week in Lambeau, this offensive line that they have been going with for two weeks now um, without Ben Jones did a passable job. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the Titans have had so many horses uh, in the in the depth positions there that they were probably going to be able to fill that void. But then the biggest thing was, OK, if we're trading out Danico Autry in return for getting back Hooker, Molden, and Bud Dupree all in the same game for the first time all year, by the way, those three have played in the same game together. That felt like a net positive to me. And in hindsight, maybe this is a fantastic case for Danico Autry being the MVP of the defense so far this year. Maybe it's, maybe it's fair to point to the fact that those three players, you know, I think it, it can go understated how important continuity is at any level of football within a unit. And so when the defense adds three guys, talented guys, starters that you want out there, but it's again, the first time those three have been playing together, adding three new guys into a, into a defense all at the same time. That's a, a significant percentage of the defensive personnel on the field at any one time. And then all three yeah. didn't have their best game. You could kind of see some rust there. Bud Dupree did not look like he was at full speed. Amani Hooker wasn't nearly as flashy as you're used to seeing him. And Elijah Molden was kind of invisible all day. Those three guys didn't really make the impact you needed them to. And the loss of Nico Autry absolutely had an impact. So in hindsight, that that it wasn't nearly the the positive um, transaction that I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, by the way, I remember the play. It was the hooker. It was the hooker Molden slide. Where oh, they my got goodness. The personal yes, foul that was a, that was a and I'm horrendous like, call. I'm like, they I'm like, they hit each other like they didn't actually hit that. Like no, you can see hooker like go like this tried to like pull he, up and they hit each other right, exactly. and made incidental contact with the, the sliding player. It was a, a horrible call. Yes, yes. Horrible call. And Rabel like runs down there. It's, it, you, you had to say the words Hooker and Molden for me to like remember like, oh, that seems like a weird call that I'm going to get an email about from Mike Rabel. Right. Um, no, I, th- I think you're right. I think it, it's the, the, the positive negative trade-off wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And again, the other guys get paid millions of dollars to play the game they too. Do. So sometimes they're just, they're just really, really good. And I thought Burrow, I thought largely... Like my wife was like, should I start Joe Burrow this week or Dak Prescott? And I'm like, I would probably bench Burrow without Chase and Mixon against this Titans defense. And for the most part, other than like three or four passes to T. Higgins, really just like the two in the in the fourth quarter of the third quarter, they did a pretty good job containing a guy who is, uh, you know, among the hottest quarterbacks on the planet right they now. They did. Um, again, kept them to 20 points. Only one other time since week two that, that anybody's even scored 20 and it took overtime and Patrick Mahomes to do that. Um, It is a little depressing. Now, I think the other thing we need to point out, again, before we move on to the positive news, in which case then we'll talk about our wonderful, amazing sponsors, the Pharmacy Kingston Group and Weiss Liquors, because we'll talk about them with the positive stuff, because I do think there is some interesting stuff coming out of the last three games, largely, if if teams are going to load up and stop Derrick Henry, because we saw how the Green Bay Packers rushing defense looked last night against Philadelphia. Uh, They stopped Derrick Henry. Exactly. So... I do think finishing drives is is a is a it's it's a if you are a football fan and you have not studied the the phrase points inside the forty, <laughs> like it, your points per possession inside the forty yard line, college or pro, if you have not kind of looked at that number and really analyzed what it means, your win percentage and your loss percentage compared to your points per trip inside the forty, and in the NFL it's a little bit more inside the twenty because it you know you, it, kickers are a little bit more valuable in the NFL. You cannot be one of the best red zone teams in the league, have an offense that has to finish drives and then just not finish any of your drives with touchdowns like that. That is always going to cost you a game, whether you're trying to pull an upset, whether you're trying to hold serve against an underdog, it doesn't matter if you can, if you finish the drives without with threes or attempted threes and not sixes, that is one of the quickest and fastest ways to get beat in the game of football. Yeah, Braden, like I said at the top of the show, there were two main things to point to in this game for why the Titans lost. And this was the other reason. And really, this was the simplest thing to point to. If I told you 
that there was an NFL game put, being played tonight on Monday Night Football. It wasn't. It was not Steelers and, and Colts. It was two teams that I didn't tell you who was who. I didn't tell you where they were playing. I didn't tell you anything about the game other than the fact that I tell you Team A goes 0 for 4 in the red zone. Who wins? You're probably relatively confident <laughs> with team just B. that information, <laughs> just that info yeah. that probably Team B won the game. That's that's how you win and lose games, kids. Like, boys and girls, if you don't score yep. in the red zone four times, you get there four times in a game and you don't get a touchdown because the only touchdown the Titans scored in this game was on the bizarro world screen pass run by Derrick Henry that was then recovered in the end zone after a rare fumble by Traylon Burks for his first career touchdown, by the way. I'm sure any betters who had Traylon Burks' first career touchdown. Recovered fumble? That's that's how they that's how they envisioned it in their heads, him getting his first one. Right, right. But you, you can't. You, you just, I mean, you can kind of take this game and scrap all the other stuff and say, okay, well, this is a Titans team that, by the way, for the past two, three years at the very least, but really since Mike Vrabel's been the head coach, Another thing that they've built their identity on is somehow being a league leader each and every year in red zone efficiency, which is one of the stats that the nerds will tell you is a regressing stat, right? It's supposed to be a luck-based thing that you regress back to the mean eventually. You you cannot be consistently good at red zone efficiency. It's not a thing. It's a luck-based statistic. The, like like turnovers, right? Exactly. Like recovering fumble, exactly. It's, recovering it's fumble. just a yeah. it's a coin flip kind of thing, and that is typically true for it seems like thirty or thirty one teams in the league. But the Titans, and this is one of the reasons we won't go into this conversation. But Mike Herndon and I had a conversation on his show a couple weeks ago, trying to diagnose why so many in the general national media dislike the Titans or have a hard time with the Titans. And and one of the reasons is that they are one of the only teams in the league that consistently disprove a lot of the things that nerds lean on when it comes to advanced <laughs> analytics. And, and so as they consistently prove them wrong, they tick those people off and then they naturally dislike the Titans. So this Titans team has always been really good at that. And when, again, one of the vestiges of your being is something that goes horribly wrong on any given Sunday you're probably gonna like if if the if the Chiefs play a game and Patrick Mahomes can't throw the ball effectively like they're probably gonna lose the game you you can't not do the thing that you're built on yeah yeah and and listen I I agree generally with the nerds because nerds rule the world they run the world now 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 they own Twitter apparently Uh, although I guess maybe Lane Kiffin owns Twitter I'm not sure um I I do think I do think like there is some regression there, but it doesn't mean you can't also be really great at something. That's right. And and certainly the Titans are, are very, very good at that. And again, they still had a very good chance to win this game. They were still in the game deep into the fourth quarter. Like they, this was still absolutely, it, it wasn't like they got run off the field. Now I think the line of scrimmage battle packaged with not finishing drives is a kiss of death. But again, it was still a four point game in which you could have had a seven point, you know, you could have been trailing by seven with the ball with two minutes to go. You know, Ryan Tannehill's been very good in that situation since coming to Nashville in 2019. So he's been he he's been comfortable in that situation. So that leads us to, to Ryan Tannehill. I think we've we've beaten the 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 dead red zone to death here. Yeah. Um, but Ryan Tan- Ryan Tannehill, I don't think was great. I don't think he made a bunch of great decisions on Sunday against Cincinnati. I always have questions about when when the rest of the Titans things break down. Can he can he be the one singularly? that checks him out of a bad play, gets him into a good play, reads the defense correctly, and then executes the play perfectly. And I always wonder if that's the thing that he he's really good up until that point, and then that's the last step of being an offense, and he just maybe that's just not his strength. Um, but I do think there was some positives to be taken away from the offense and, and how it was designed, which means we should mention our great and wonderful and amazing sponsors. Right. Uh, Weiss Liquors, Kingston Group, The Pharmacy. Make sure you check them all out up there. Um, Weiss Liquors, Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, have the booze delivered to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes, 1932, locally owned and operated by a family here in Nashville. It's right there by the Titan Stadium. So if you're stocking up before the game or you need to drink your sorrows after or celebrate after, make sure you swing by Weiss Liquors. Support local business, folks. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com. You guys know the website, of course. Check them out. Don't make any big decisions about your house until you talk to them. You don't need to go with them. You don't need to give them any money. But just talk to them, and they're so confident in what they do. Sort of like the Titans defensive line, like they don't need to blitz, you know? Like the Kingston group will not charge you anything to just have a conversation, and they'll probably give you the best advice. And it may not be go with them. It may be go with somebody else. It may be work with us. 
but they will make sure that you make the best decision. And that is what matters. Uh, and of course, the pharmacy, always a great decision for lunch or dinner on the weekends, weekdays, take the kids, go with your buddies, have a beer, no screens. So it's not a place you're going to go watch games. It's a place to have a communal experience and actually, you know, talk to people, have a friendship, Easton. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. Communicate, communicate with That's other right. living beings. Exactly. Yeah. Shocking. Uh, all right. So Ryan Tannehill, first six starts of the year, 24.3 passes per game. Last three games of the season, 33 passes per game. Now, certainly throwing the ball between 35 and 40 times a game is never going to be what Mike Vrabel and Todd Downing and the Titans offense wants to do. They want to go through Derrick Henry. But the last three weeks, we've seen Derrick Henry be such a heavy focus of the defensive game plan of the opposition, certainly Cincinnati was brilliant against Derrick Henry, that they're going to have to start doing other things. And they have largely done other things for the last three games. It, they didn't finish drives on Sunday. But we're seeing Traylon Burks make yet another big play or two. The hustle play was just as big a play as his big reception down the field. Absolutely, You're starting to see, you're starting to see Chig get more involved, things we've asked this team to do. Robert Woods has been more consistent you see Austin Hooper get targeted more consistently the last three games. There has to be a, an answer to a defensive game plan to stop Derrick Henry. And I, I, yesterday may be the exception, but I thought versus Green Bay, and I thought the week before that against Denver, they had the right answers. And if all the offensive weapons continue to develop, the rookies become less rookies and more veterans. And Tannehill right now, by the way, gritting through a tough injury. Yes. If he Once he gets back, fully healthy and they can use his legs a little bit more. It does feel like now is the time that if they continue this progress on offense, that maybe by week 16, 17, 18, there is a far more balanced Titans offense than we've seen in the, per the first half of the season. And that may actually increase this team's upside in the postseason. No, I agree entirely, Braden. I, I, I wrote about this in my article yesterday and based on the reaction on Twitter, it seems like this is a relatively unpopular opinion, but I'm not really sure why. I, I didn't have any problem with Ryan T Tannehill's performance yesterday. I, I thought that he played well enough to win, to be sure. I, I didn't think you know he he protected the ball. I didn't think in the moment. And again, I, I the the tape is not something that I've been able to pour over yet. I'm not even sure if it's out yet, but I, I I may have a different opinion once I go back and watch the game and do a little bit of tape study this week. I don't have any issue. Like I thought, I thought. I Sorry, I didn't no, mean to ahead. cut you off. I, I, I think I think he missed Robert Woods on the goal line throw. No, he did. That, that that's... when 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 Woods is when Woods is in the backfield and he slips out in the backfield and goes in the flat. And I'm like, that's a, that's a touchdown. It's a wide open touchdown. And then he throws it. I think the chig and it like bounced up in the air. He or did, yeah. But and that was one of the few. That, that's one off top. Of that my was head. one of the few poor throws that he had. And early in the game, he was a little rough. I mean, early on in the first quarter, he had a couple of balls batted down at the line of scrimmage that were too low, and then he had a couple sail on them that were too high. But then Goldilocks really found the middle. And I felt like from there on out, he was good enough to win the game. He, here's the bottom line for me is this people upset with Tannehill. That makes me think either a, they think that the passing game wasn't good enough in that game to win. And, or they thought that he did not uh, take care of the ball, protect the ball. Obviously he did protect the ball. He didn't turn the ball over at all yesterday. And then I look at yesterday's passing performance from the Titans, and frankly, it's the only unit on either side of the on either of the any of the three sides of the ball that I felt like was a plus for them in that game. And frankly, based on their Green Bay performance and also their Cincinnati performance yesterday, I'm encouraged by the direction that this passing game is going. I'm encouraged by the way that Ryan Tannehill is playing, despite the fact that the offensive line has seemingly forgotten how to run block at all they have for the past two weeks been pretty decent in their pass protection and it's allowed some things to open up downfield that we haven't seen from the titans before i don't know why people wouldn't be optimistic about the direction this passing game is going and frankly brayden thinking back kind of zooming out looking at this from a ten thousand foot perspective we've spent two seasons now with the titans any given week it is a coin flip as to whether or not this team would have a group of skill position players on a Sunday that you're yeah. confident there's more than one or two guys can make a play. And right now the past two or three weeks feels like the first time in two years that the Titans have had genuinely five or six guys on the field. I mean, between Burks, NWI, Chigakonkwo, uh, Hooper, now Derek Henry, Robert Woods, 
those six or seven guys, and I, I would I would throw Hilliard in there as well. How about, how about Dal- I was going to say, how about Dontrell Hilliard, who yes. is as consistent? I, I feel like he's going to get eight yards every time he touches the ball. Yes, like, that group, maybe of, seven, maybe of, seven yards. Those group of guys, there's nobody that is a true elite NFL alpha yet. Traylon Brooks looks like he's trending towards potentially being that down the road. But right now, you've got a stable of six, seven, eight guys in the passing game that you trust to make a play. And that's not something the Titans have had for a little bit now. When you combine that with the fact that the pass protection for the Titans offensive line is trending in the right direction. Ryan Tannehill is playing pretty good ball right now. He's he's protecting the ball and he's he's I mean, he's he's had more yards in his past two games passing than he has in any of the games previous to this this season. I think that that's a positive for this yeah. team. I don't see why you would point to that as a reason that they lost this game. No, I I tend to agree. Um, as Jason says, Tannehill wasn't in the top 100 reasons. He probably in the top 100. I mean, like maybe, maybe. But I, I think the point is valid that there's a lot of other reasons why this team lost. Now, I, I'm curious. We haven't seen the second half woes from this team for a few weeks. They did kind of creep back up again on Sunday against Cincinnati. They only score six points. The red zone offense we've already talked about wasn't particularly good. I do. I don't. We've not mentioned Todd Downing's name. I don't think in the analysis of this game at all saying that was a big mistake by him. That was a huge error by him. That was a terrible call. That was this, that Todd Downing has it. I don't think you can blame Todd Downing for this one. So I'm curious, what was the offensive issue in the red zone? Like, I know there's some mistakes, but like what, what, what was the reason they they're not finishing drives? If we like Tannehill, they certainly stopped Cincinnati, stopped Derrick Henry. But if we think the weapons are getting better, the weapons are getting stronger. The rookies are developing, you know, we still, you know, you've got an alpha male with Derrick Henry. Hilliard is a really great complimentary piece, especially in the red zone. They've used him a lot this year. And it's not Tannehill and the, and the protection. Is it just the offensive line being terrible and getting beat at the line of scrimmage? Or is there some Todd down? Can, can you throw some strays at Todd Downing somewhere in there? Well, and that's the it big... wouldn't be a foot. It wouldn't be a football show if we didn't rip on Todd. Downing. Oh, and there will be there. will There are some some Todd Downing. There's some Todd Downing responsibility for these red zone woes. Absolutely. This is one of those things that when you're looking for an answer to that question, Braden, there is no one answer. It's kind of a cornucopia of of different things that went wrong for them yesterday. One of the the drives that I can remember was really stalled out by penalties. And so that's just that if you're not a disciplined yeah. football team, that's the way that it's going to go. And and that's how that drive got killed, especially early that first half. It was kind of a penalty fest, which was rough because it was refreshing on Thursday night last week how little the refs were involved in that game. And then this game, they were, I mean, every punt, it yep. felt like you had a, a flag on the field. It was very frustrating. There was another drive that was still out in the red zone. I, I don't know if this will show up, but this is a picture that was this circula- circulating around Twitter. This is a picture of the past of Jeff Swaim in the red zone with Traylon Burks blocking for <laughs> oh, him. And, and the commenter, this is... So that one's Todd Downing. At Greg that one's Kett Todd is the person that tweeted this out, and it's kind of blown up a little bit. He, he he says he couldn't help but think that that should be the other way around. Completely agreed. I don't know why we're still. I mean, that was the only was the only Jeff Swaim target of the day. So on a whole, three three D chess. That's three D chess. He's that's said, right. Four, Todd 4D, Downing upside down underwater chess. Four D chess. Yeah. So yeah. N- no, that's a Todd Downing issue for sure. He even though he's only targeting Jeff Swaim once in this game, I don't know why that's a game that's put in or that's a play rather that's put into the game plan in this one. And then other other than that. The other red zone off the top of my head, that that pass that you mentioned a moment ago where he Ryan Tannehill, that is missed Robert Woods open in the end zone. He passes to Chig coming across the middle, who is also open, but it was a just a bad pass. He threw it over his head and threw it 100 miles an hour when he didn't need to. There, yep. There's a number of different reasons why. But here's the here's another reason why that didn't show up necessarily as one play you can point to in this game but is I think the primary reason why in this game you didn't see the red zone success that the Titans have enjoyed for a long time. Now, the reason that they are consistently fantastic in the red zone is because their run defense is or run offense rather is so potent. And when combined with a opportunistic capable passing offense that can, can strike at any moment and you, you take advantage of guys like Dontrell Hilliard, who's fantastic catching the ball in the red zone out of the backfield. That's an offense that once they're in the red zone, you typically can't stop. The thing for most other teams that are passing based is once you get into that low red zone, the field is compressed so much. The defense is at an advantage in that area because they have so much yeah. less ground to cover. It becomes much more difficult to move the ball than between the 40s, right? 
for the yep for no, a no, team yeah. like it's the just, Titans, it's... they're able to move the ball at ease in the running game typically, and that's what makes them so lethal in the red zone. Well, in this game, their ability to run the ball was pathetic. And so that's just the way that it's going to go. Suddenly you're no longer that lethal weapon in the red zone. Yeah, you can't run like there. They're, what is their? I, I, this is I didn't we didn't talk about this before the show, but um, so I may be setting you up here. But what if you if you pick the number one most popular Titans route, and, and like what what would be the defining pass pattern of the Tennessee Titans offense under Mike Vrabel? In your opinion, I'm going to see if you can get this. The crossing see, route. see how close we a, a a ten to twelve yard play action crossing yeah. route. Like that, that is their defining play that they run better than any other play that they have in their playbook when it comes to throwing the football. And what can you not do on the 10 yard line? Right. You can't can't do that. The play action doesn't, the play action doesn't affect the safeties at that situation because they don't have to go anywhere. So when your number one play doesn't work, you have to get creative. And and that's where Todd Downing, of course, has to earn his money. And by and large with the Dante Hilliard corner routes and wheel routes and you know, there, I think, you know, there's a couple other calls where he was targeting Swaim. You know, that one in the end zone, I think, against the Colts where he looks like he's running in slow motion and he can't get to the pass. Yeah. Like, that's a that's a Todd Downing thing. Um, so, I don't think Todd Downing is on the top of the list of reasons they got – I mean, I think the offensive line, defensive line got beat. Um, I think Cincinnati had a great defensive game plan and they didn't finish drives. Some of that last one includes Tannehill, includes the offensive line, to your point, includes Todd Downing, it includes everybody. Um, so – Here's the deal. I don't know if people know, but they're going to play AJ Brown next week. I don't know if Twitter knows. I don't know if anyone's paying he attention to AJ Brown. Back in the day, didn't he? I, I heard Mike Tirico mention that he former Tennessee Titan mm-hmm. AJ Brown. Uh, he said that on the reception, not the fumble, by the way, last night. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Mike Tirico clearly in the pocket of big receiver. Yeah, it's fine. Got to be. Um, so Total so it's going to be fun. We'll preview the whole game on Thursday. I th- actually think. I actually think you can get Philadelphia into a rock fight because they want to run the football with Jalen Hurts, and I actually think the Titans have some people if they're back. Brayden, did you watch this Eagles could, team play the Texans in prime time a couple weeks ago? Uh, against the Texans? Yeah. No, I watched them against the Packers. Okay, so the Packers. I mean, I think the same thing was shown in that Packers game, but they played the Texans in prime time a couple weeks ago, and it it was I think the worst game they've played. In that game, I I tweeted along the lines of the the Titans coaching staff watching this game are taking extensive notes because that Texans team, the worst team in the league, they've given up already, obviously, and they'd given up at the time. They played them really tight and they demonstrated how exactly how a Titans-esque team can compete with this Eagle. I mean, the, the Colts even. You saw the Colts play them last week and it came down to the wire in that one. This Eagles team absolutely can be run on. And if you shut down their running ability on the offensive side of the ball with your defense, which the Titans run defense, if they play like they did last week or yesterday, rather yeah. in Philadelphia, yeah, yeah, in they will lose for sure. Yeah. And and Kevin yeah. Byard said as much in his press conference today, saying our number one priority this week is to get the run defense figured out, get our run fits fixed. And, and I think that they will because yeah. they have the sample size this year to show that's more of a fluke than the rule with them. This Eagles team is very beatable. Yeah, if if you are no one's really done it yet, but it, but if you are very this is for you Stony, okay? This is for you. If you are very aroused by very large men <laughs> running headfirst into each other who are very strong and very talented, then you will love watching the Eagles offensive line <laughs> and the Titans defensive line go against each other because I enjoy that style of football and I think it is as good an offensive line as you're going to see with the with the schemes that they have and the way the different weapons they run and the, the run ball game for sure. And the way that yes, it is so much fun to watch. It's not Shanahan level no. yet. Yeah. It's not quite like Greg Roman 2020 or 2019, whatever year that was. 2019, I think. 19. It's not. It's not that intriguing, but it's pretty damn close. It's fun to watch, and uh, the Titans D line, hopefully fully healthy, will be fun to watch. We'll preview that game, of course, coming up on Thursday on a football show brought to you by. The Pharmacy, Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors. Check out all of our great and amazing locally owned partners. Locally owned and operated. Make sure you support local business. Yes, that's right. Big, meaty men slapping meat. That's right, Stoney. We are professionals on this show, Easton. Uh, but, but before we get into the SEC, 
Uh, tell everybody where they can find your work, how they can follow you, the Hot Read Pod, Mike Herndon Show, Broadway Sports Insider. Tell everybody. Yeah, I'm the director of published content over broadwaysportsmedia.com, who is partnered with, with the 440 Podcast Network. I have a show that I host on the 440 Podcast Network and on the Broadway Sports Media Podcast Network called the Hot Read Podcast. We do shows every Monday morning as well as every Friday. But do you have any Wi-Fi? <laughs> up with uh previews on friday mornings so those are fantastic and we have guests on all the time if you know james foster of no flags film he's on our shows on most fridays uh we do a a, a lot of fun stuff over there so go and check that out and you can get that wherever you get the good podcasts and then you can check out all my writings over at broadway sports media Dot com, as well as uh, if you become a Broadway insider, which is uh, just the price of a cup of coffee each month, and you can get your first month for just 99 cents, which is basically free. I mean, let's be honest, you can get all of our insider content, which includes the full Mike Herndon show. Don't know if you've heard of him, but he's kind of a big deal in Titan Sports Media. He does a video show that I produce each and every week on Thursdays that we go through a bunch of film study and then talk about some stuff. Um, previewing the game, we get into kind of some deep dive content, Titans content each week that I don't really think you get anywhere else. He's kind of a unique guy in the Titans media market, and that's why people love him so much. He's fantastic. You can't get that full show unless you're a Broadway insider. So there's a lot of great things. That's one of them. You can also get all of our premium articles written by people like Zach Lyons, who's usually on this show, myself, Justin Mello. Yeah, he's on a boat. We don't, he, he, maybe he's never coming back. He may just sail away forever. Um, the, so you got to check that there's too out. Many why, there's too many whys in that guy's name. Too many whys. Way, too, whys. Ma- way too many whys. There should be a minimum <laughs> a why count for, or a maximum why count for him. Yes. You can yes. check out all of our great stuff over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. So go and do that and you can get my readings there and you can get my listenings over wherever you get your good podcasts. That's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. We stay Pharmacy, busy. Pharmacy, Kingston Group. Pharmacy, Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors. Make sure you check out our sponsors. Support local business, Broadway Sports Media, 440 Sports. We do appreciate it. And the Sobros Network. Free shout there just for that last comment, Stoney. No free shouts, Braden. Um, uh, (laughs) um, All right, so some college football here. We'll wrap up the SEC as the regular season ends. And I'll just throw a quick story out um, just because I was sort of – you know, first of all, congratulations to Tennessee on their first 10-win season since 2003. Absolutely. And part – Partly why that is, because I think that's overachieving in every sense of the word. It's certainly, you know, they underachieved in the last month and and fans are upset about not making the playoff. And I get all of that, especially considering that they might have had a chance to to weasel their way into number four had they beaten South Carolina and Hendon Hooker stays healthy. But they they dominate Vanderbilt, absolutely crush. Joe Milton still missed like 47 wide open receivers. But this is a very good Tennessee team and a very and, and arguably the best regular season in Knoxville. Since 2003, when I was in college, I am 40 Don't years old. Don't age yourself like I that, am, Braden. Oh, no. I am 40 <laughs> years old. I was in college in 2003. And so Saturday night, it's getting a little nasty. It's rainy. And like my, my daughter's like I've, I've, I've brainwashed her sufficiently enough to be a college football fan. She's six years old. She just turned six. And she's been to Jodas Park. She's been to soccer games. She's been to Preds games. We've taken her to Sounds games. She's seen kind of all these other events. She's never been to a football game. Well, Take that back. She went to the Packers Titans game in like 2016 when she was like five weeks she old. That. And that was no, no, no. the Titans. The Titans roasted. That was like a DeMarco Murray, like 80 yard run. Mariota had like a long run. I think they roasted the Packers. The Packers then went on to win like every single game the rest of the season and played in the NFC championship game. I don't think that counts. I don't think it counts. She, it was technically her first. In and it, she can always uh, say that later on in life. No. But she'd never been to a football game. She remembered. So she's like begging me at like six o'clock, 30 minutes before kickoff. Like, hey, let's go to the, let's, I want to see Go Big Orange. I want to watch Go Big Orange, dad. I want to, and I'm like, uh, it's kind of rainy. We don't have tickets. I don't know. I feel like a terrible father because she is so, she's begging me to go to a college football game. And what kind of father would I be if I didn't get my daughter to a college football game? So oh, eventually yeah. they kick off. They kick off and she starts like sobbing. But it's if you have kids, there's two different kinds of crying, oh. or maybe there's three. There, there's I am really, really hurt crying, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Which is like a very real, like loud, piercing bloody shriek. murder. Yeah, yeah. Then there's like I'm not getting what I want. I'm whining. I'm moaning. I'm bitching and complaining, crying, which is kind of like this. Eh, it's just very like uh-huh. you can tell. It's like okay, you need you need to get out of here with that crap. Mm-hmm. Then there's the one that like is where she's really actually sad and upset. 
And she was actually sad and upset with me. So I get in the car. We drive down. We get a parking spot on West End in a metered spot for free. Wow. We walk over to the stadium. A guy's walking out. I go, you got any extras? He, tr- he, he, he sends me two tickets for free on my phone. We walk in at the end of the first quarter. We're sitting on the 30-yard line, row 15. Wow. She's got her raincoat. She's got her raincoat on. She's promising me she's going to stay the whole time. And sure enough, we get to watch like five touchdowns <laughs> take place. Uh, all big plays. What an unrealistic expectation Rocky. for a first game for a, a young fan. <laughs> Everything from here on out well, is going to be my... a disappointment for her. <laughs> no, except for one thing. Except for one thing. Actually getting to go to Neyland Stadium. Ah. Because she looks at me, and this is, I've never been more proud in my life. They, they score like their third or fourth or fifth touch, and I don't remember. And she knows that we're in Nashville, not at Tennessee Stadium. Right. And she's like, what's the V stand for? And she's like asking all these questions the whole time. And then... About halfway through all the touchdowns, she looks at me and she goes, "Dad, there's a lot of there's a lot of orange in here. This is not isn't Tennessee Stadium, right?" Are you sure, like, we're not at home right now. Yeah, I'm like, "Welcome to Vanderbilt that's football, right. dear. Yep. Well, welcome to Vanderbilt football." Yes. Um. So, just I know that's a a totally non analytical football story, but we love a good anecdote. Uh, I got my I got my kid into a. You can get into a Vanderbilt game for zero dollars parking, zero dollars for tickets. You can sit almost in a perfect seat. And you could take your kid to their first ever college football game for zero. It's sad zero how un, unsurprising <laughs> that is, to be honest with you. Uh, what's funny is we were driving home in the rain, like on, on the way home. And the Titan Stadium was all lit up that night. Like, and we drive oh, we're driving yeah. back to our house in, in East. So the Titan Stadium lights were all lit up at night. And she was like, she was like, that's, t- that's the tight. She goes, she knows that's the Titan Stadium. And I was like, I go, she goes, can we, I want to go. I go, there's a game tomorrow. She goes, can I, can we go? So no, that's very different. <laughs> that's, yes, that's seventy thousand people that actually paid lots of money for tickets, yes. and and it's going to be, be cheering the entire game, on. right? Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be good football. So congrats to the Vols for winning ten games. That's all. That's all I wanted to say, basically. Otherwise, uh, what what you got for us in the SEC? Houston? Well, let's let's. I wanted to briefly touch on the Vols for a second because the first time that I ever filled in for Zach on this show was within the first two weeks of the show's inception, back in the preseason. Um, he got sick and lost his voice. And so I filled in on like the fourth ever show. And it was kind of the last call um, timeline wise for takes on what the season would look like for any football team, because we were about to get into the full swing of football. Things were about to kick off. And and we talked a good bit about the Vols and expectations, of course, because that was a big thing coming into this season. It's going to be a big leap for the Vols. How just how good are they going to be? Who can they contend with in the SEC? I went back and listened to that conversation, which was now two or three months ago. And that's really sado. That's some sadomasochism right there. Buddy. It, it is. It is. But <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm just that big of a narcissist and love to listen to myself speak. Um, it's it's astonishing to me just how drastically and quickly the Vols expectations for themselves and, and the fans for their team changed midseason because you were expressing what I feel like was the consensus expectations in that episode, talking about how the thing for this Vols team this year would be, all right, can they, they're going to lose to Bama. They're going to lose to Georgia. Can they steal a win or miraculously steal two against the Gators and, or the Wildcats in Kentucky and, and, I was, and LSU. And, and LSU, it was those three teams. Like, can they yeah. contend with these three teams? Can they steal a win or two or three against these teams? We know they're going to have two baked in losses against Bama and Georgia. Who can they, who else can they get a win against kind of in their same class? And then suddenly the Vols get off to this monster start. They look like they're a real playoff contender in college football and they get a massive win against Bama. They knock off all three of those teams, dispatching them with relative ease it's kind of wild how quickly the expectations went from, okay, can this team, can they get to the eight, nine win mark this season? That'd be a massive unmitigated win for this team. They'd be right on schedule with this Josh Heupel rebuild. Now it's a disappointing year because they blow a game to a South Carolina team that has a ending of their season. That is just miraculous. And they're a disappointment at 10 and two. I think that Vols fans should be overall very pleased with this season and and frankly, this team is well ahead of schedule, in my opinion. I want to get your thoughts because you're the expert on this. Do you think the Vols are ahead of schedule in the Josh Heupel era? I, I think 
I so a couple of quick answers. I think I do think most Tennessee fans have have landed softly. Like it, it helps watching South Carolina dominate Clemson for a second top ten win in a row. How about that that the helps Cox, ease man? the it, well, there you go. Exactly. That's that's what she said. And I think it's <laughs> it's a very it's a very easy landing for Tennessee fans. It's also a very easy landing because of all the things you said. Like you you feel the pain of that loss. Right now, I don't think they – if they don't lose to South Carolina, I'm not sure – they're still probably behind TCU. They might even be behind USC in the playoff rankings. If USC wins the championship against Utah on Friday night, I still think they were going to get in over right. Tennessee. But they'd have an argument. So I – but but Tennessee would have a really good case. I think fans have landed fairly quickly and fairly softly on appreciating the body of work and the memories yes. that were created with this team than like being disappointed in like losing out on this thing that we didn't think we had a chance on. I actually think Tennessee fans have switched. They were really distraught last week. And I think, you know, you crush your rival in Vanderbilt rival. You watch South Carolina beat Clemson. I don't know. I think it, I think there's a softer sort of landing than, than people expect out of Tennessee fans, which is probably yes. a good thing. The question is, is how can, is it how Hendon hooker dependent was this team Yes. And it was a great sign to see what they did against Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt completely laid down. I thought we would see far more fight out of Vanderbilt than we did. And and frankly, as as many big plays as they had, it wasn't Joe Milton. Jo- Joe Milton cannot hit the broadside of a barn. He hit Jalen Hyatt on the first big play down the field and then literally was four yards overthrowing every single wide-open receiver the entire game, which has been his M.O. his entire career. Yes, So I just don't know how sustainable the model is for next year, I, I think people expect linear progression in college football, you know, seven, nine, 10, 11, 12, like that's how they expect it to go. And I, I, I am, I am caution. I'm going to spend all off season cautioning Tennessee fans to not expect 10 and two next year. So that, that's, that will be way ahead of schedule. Super awesome season, wonderful memories, all the above. I think there's a little bit more of a step back and let's see how, how the roster's being built long-term this offseason is really critical for Josh Heupel. No, I agree entirely. And that's where I come down ultimately. If you had gone to the beginning of the season and asked any Vols fan, okay, this is a team, by the way, in the volunteers that their fans had grown accustomed each year to having one, two, maybe three losses that were totally embarrassing and uh, uncalled for. If I went to a Vols fan and said, all right, here's the offer. Take it or leave it. 10 win season. You knock off Alabama at home and you only have one embarrassing loss all year. They take it in a heartbeat. Yep. I I completely agree. Um, And there's a lot of other stuff that happened this weekend. Missouri getting to a bowl game, LSU choking away its playoff chances, South Carolina with a a miraculous win. The egg bowl was just absolute gold uh florida six and six tough way to lose on friday night we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time with all the coaching stuff because there's going to be a lot of news monday and tuesday the playoff rankings come out tuesday night there's going to be a lot of like stuff that's going to happen between now and thursday's show so we'll spend a little bit more time on on the coaching rumors the coaching carousel the playoff rankings and all that stuff of course on on, on thursday's show um but i i think um <laughs> yeah, so bros, uh, Vol's gonna be mad when when the Sugar Bowl picks Bama. Bama will be higher in the rankings. I think Bama's Vol's fans don't want to hear this. I think Alabama's the better football team, uh, especially without Hendon Hooker. And so I think that that's unfortunately the way it goes. I I don't I don't really care about bowls, so I don't like where we go and where they go and where somebody else goes. It doesn't it doesn't really matter much to me. All that matters is that you get the extra practice and the check. <laughs> Those are the two things that matter. Um, and then after that, it's, um, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to discuss with, with, with Lane Kiffin and the Auburn coaching search and Hugh freeze sliding up into victims, DMS and all kinds of crazy shit. So we got lots of stuff to get to, uh, uh, as, uh, as the week unfolds. So otherwise I think that's, uh, that about does it for us. Uh, I think appreciate you guys listening and hanging out all you guys who comment. We'd really appreciate it. Appreciate Easton for hanging out and filling in. Make sure you check out the pharmacy, check out the Kingston group, check out Weiss liquor support local businesses support people that live and work and provide services for our community uh, like Broadway sports media, like 440 sports and like our amazing sponsors, Weiss Liquors, Kingston group and the pharmacy Easton, where can people find you and where can people follow you? Check me out on Twitter at Easton freeze. You can check out my show, the hot read podcast on Monday and Friday mornings, each and every week talking Titans primarily in the NFL 
You can check out all my writings and musings at broadwaysportsmedia.com. And you can uh, also get the podcast, by the way, on the YouTube uh, channel for Broadway Sports Media. You can check out the video version, very similar to this, on Broadway Sports Media YouTube. Um, Also, the Mike Herndon Show, which I'm the producer of. We do each and every week. Mike Herndon's fantastic, and you should check that out. That's on Thursdays. So plenty of football content for me all week. Braden, thanks so much for having me on the show. Happy to fill in any time. Hope Zach's having a good time on his boat, but had a a good time chatting with you. (laughs) Yeah, always appreciate hanging out with you, Easton. Seriously, give him a follow. Check out all the work. You guys know where to find him. The Broadway sports stuff is great. Um, And uh, yeah, that that about does it for us. Uh, Special thanks um, to to you, my friend, for hanging out with us. Special thanks to the pharmacy, to Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors for supporting us. Uh, go, go listen to all the content, turn on all the notifications. Have a great time. Ha- hope everybody had a happy and awesome and wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, for Easton, I am Braden. Thank you guys for listening and watching. This has been a football show.